0: my podcast producer showed it to me so
1: yes so welcome everyone to another episode of Saison y Corazon I have got to tell you that one of my favorite guests of all time is here my auntie she showed up Uh, I'm so grateful to have you here and uh, for sharing space here today so Dr. Alfie can you introduce yourself please
0: of course, of course. So it's my niece, y'all. It's my niecey poof, what I call her. Um, yes. And it's an honor to be here with Ayana. My name is Dr. Alfie Breland Noble. I go by Dr. Alfie. And what can I say? I am all about uh, culturally relevant mental health. I'm all about creating spaces and supporting and uplifting spaces where those of us who have marginalized identities, like I always say, and Ayana has heard me say many times, it's not because we're marginal. It's because we are marginalized. That's not a choice. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not a trait. It is a state that people put us in. So my thing is always, what can I do? What can we do to uplift all these wonderful, culturally relevant healing practices that have sustained people of color, including LGBTQIA+, and folks with disabilities who are also people of color because people don't exist in these dichotomies. And I'm just all about mm-hmm. my purpose on this planet, which is uplifting, supporting, um, and just trying to do my part to help myself heal in the space of mental health and to uplift other people in their own healing.
1: Yes. Let them know. And she's being she's being really uh, humble about it, by the way, she does a lot for our community, especially our youth and gracefully and does it everywhere and still takes the time to show up on my podcast and help those of us that are in her sphere. So I I just got to give you your flowers now. Like, I really, really, really appreciate you. I always thinking about your affirmations and you guiding us through these exercises whenever I feel, you know, like I'm in a storm, especially a shame storm. And, you know, I just cannot thank you enough for everything that you do. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. here. Yeah, you better get bilingual with it. <laughs> yes. All right, let's jump into it. So you talked about a little bit about what you do, but mm-hmm. who
0: is Dr. Alfie? Ooh, that's a good question. So first I'm going <laughs> to say uh feliz cumpleaños to mi hijo. I just want him to know I love him and whenever he hears this, he will know that I'm thinking of him. Um who's I will say Alfie is a a little girl who grew up um in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where she was Frequently isolated, right? Always Mm. existing between, I felt like two worlds. There was the black world in my home where I was uplifted and celebrated and supported. And, you know, he's deceased, but my godfather, David, my middle name is Matisse, used to call me Alfie Matisse. And that was like my little nickname. And he just told me I was beautiful and I was smart. And, you know, my uncle, Mr. Jewel, he would say the same thing. These are my dad's Navy buddies. And so in the house, my, my parents, Like everybody close to me in the home loved me and uplifted me, but not so much when I got outside the house. So I think I'm still Mm. that girl who knows what it felt like to be isolated and knows what it felt like to be a high achieving, smart black girl, dark skinned black girl who had a lot of friends, right? This was, I'm Gen X. So this was back in the day when, multicultural friend groups that truly was not a thing so Mm -hmm. I existed between multiple worlds I had my white friends I had my black friends I had my Filipino friends because that was my community it was black white and Filipino and so I felt like I was always trying to navigate all those different groups and I think Alfie is the person who was I remember a long time ago I worked with a psychologist um Dr. Maya McNeely I'll never forget that sister she's Latina (laughs) from Chicago. She's from the South side. She grew up with black hey. folks and she was just like, that's just fierce. And so I remember her telling me, Alfie, you are a connector. When she said mm. it, I burst into tears. And I feel like to this day, that's who I am. I am a connector. Mm. And she also said, Alfie, I have this vision of you, this long line of, of women in your family. And you're the person in that line who pushes the line in another direction. And, oh. and like elevates. And I've always stuck with that. Right. Right. I just, I got chills. Yes. That's who oh Alfie gosh. is. I am the elevator. I'm the uplifter. I'm the person who's going, I'm going to make you feel seen like you trying to hide. And no, I ain't going to let you hide because you have a gift. Yes. I have gifts. I remember I was on um, Gammy's podcast and I was like, girl, I'm going to make these people see me. They're going to hear me. They're going to deal with me. And if they don't want to mm-hmm. see here or deal with me, get to stepping because I ain't got time. So that's Alfie. That's who Alfie
1: is. That's it. Drop the mic. That's the episode. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. I just, uh, people can't see me, but I'm getting chills and already getting teary-eyed. This is so timely because I had therapy earlier and I too <laughs> felt isolated. Yes. And also high achieving. I am not dark skinned, but I do present as Black as a woman of color. Yes. And everything that comes with that. Yes. Yes. And everything that comes with that. Yes, it was a result of my circumstances, but eventually it came as my coping mechanism, as my trauma response and not being able to navigate these different social groups. And then how, what does that look like in adulthood where you just kind of, Isolate because it's your default. But then you yes. end up feeling lonely and depressed and disconnected yes. and not having community. And so I'm on this journey on pushing that line, but do it in a, in a way that is authentic to me and feels genuine yes. to others. So, oh my goodness, I just, <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. I, I will look to you. I think, you know, what's Girl. important for people to remember is that we all trying to figure it out, right? Like you mentioned, like, you are still healing. I am still healing. This mm-hmm. is a journey. This is not mm-hmm. an end uh, destination Mm-mm. that we just going to get there Mm-mm. and chill.
0: Mm -mm. My therapist
1: told me today, she was like, it is okay for you to realize these things. It's about giving you the tools to be able to move through those realizations and still be able to function, be able to show up, be able to heal. And I was just like,
0: "Yes, but I want to be done.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. And keep
0: your voice. I think that's the thing that's always been my struggle is maintaining my voice like i talk about this Mm -hmm. lot you know i run the acoma project which i founded it you know it's something that is dear to me i it grew out of what you and i are talking about this need to like i feel like i needed that space for me and so i was like okay Mm -hmm. y'all ain't gonna take it in academia okay forget y'all i'm gonna go over here outside of academia i'm gonna create this space for me and just being able to you know how we always talk about nisi the unapologetic and authentic. Right, yes. showing up as ourselves. Like that's deeply important to me because both of us have the experience, I would imagine, of so many places where we didn't feel like we could do that. And so mm-hmm. my mission every day is to not lose my voice, to not lose my authenticity, to not lose my unapologeticness to coin the term. Like I yeah. I always want to try to be that version of myself that. I felt like there were times when I couldn't be that version of myself because I was like hiding pieces because I didn't know how people were going to receive it. And so with that, one of my struggles is always finding that balance of using my voice, like Mm -hmm. authentically and unapologetically and not shrinking. Right. Yes. So I, I even as a leader, that is continues to be something that I work on. Right. So that I'm not I guess what I'm trying to say is I've had many conversations recently where I have gone overboard to not overpower people and in doing so Mm. lost my own voice. And so it's a constant reconfiguration of, no, you're allowed to have opinions. You're allowed to say exactly what you want and that's it. Like you don't need to qualify it. If I want X period, you know what I'm saying? Like my son said, period poo. Like if I want X, (laughs) I want X. And just, Because we're never, Ayanna, we're never going to ask, I think. We're not the kind of people who are going to ask for too much. If anything, Mm -hmm. we ain't going to ask for enough. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. (laughs) And that brings up a great point.
1: I've never asked for enough uh, in my personal or career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, how has your mental health journey and your healing journey influenced your career? How do you navigate those spaces and still remain authentic (sighs) and unapologetic?
0: The biggest thing for me in terms of navigation has been meditation. Again, introduced Mm -hmm. to me by Dr. McNeely. She's literally, she's the person. So this was back in the day when people Mm -hmm. still use CDs. That's how old it is, right? And so she gave (laughs) me this, this CD and she was like, Alpha, you need to try mindfulness. And I was like, Okay. The hell? You know what I, mean? I was like, <laughs> what? Like what? The hell? Like
1: what is that? And so And mindfulness when they use CDs was not a thing. That was not well, it. No, no, <laughs> no. Nah,
0: absolutely not. Do you have like it was like the the those people over there did mindfulness. You know what I'm saying? Like it just mm-hmm. was kind of thing. And she was a avid mindfulness practitioner. And so since she introduced yeah. me to it, it's been about I've been practicing about 18 years. I would say that that mm. is the single most important tool that I have because in terms of managing my own mental health, I come from a family of super anxious people. I Mm -hmm. clearly have anxiety. Um, I don't, you know, I used to shy away from it even being a psychologist, but now I'm just like, look, this is who I am and I'm on a constant journey to manage it. So I've had times in my life when I experienced um, depression as a result of trauma. Right. So I've had Mm. traumatic experience, like significantly traumatic experiences in my life. So, you know, thank God it was like one period in my life. Um, I can actually, I take that back. Excuse me. There were two. One was probably grief. That's when I was mm-hmm. in middle school, junior high school. We didn't have middle school. We had junior high school. And then the second was like a, a really, like everyone who knows me well, who's hearing me say this, they can pinpoint exactly what that traumatic experience was. Like what it, like they know. And so it took me about three years to climb out of that trauma. Um. Mm. But generally speaking, my mental health uh, condition that I manage is anxiety. And so the thing that helps me manage that and keep it at a level that I can still thrive, like because I'm not about surviving, I'm about thriving. Amen. Right, girl, is mindfulness (laughs) and exercise. And so my journey has really Mm. been as a Black woman being comfortable as a woman of color, as a professional, as a, you know, I, you and I both, we have points of our identities that are uh, not privileged, that are marginalized, but we also have points of our identity that are privileged, right? We're both yes. educated, we're both, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, we both have, we have fortunate to have partners and have children. There are many ways mm-hmm. in which we're privileged. And so I try to use the mindfulness to remind me of all the ways in which I'm privileged and to give me empathy for those parts of myself where maybe I've messed up in the past maybe I've done something that I wish I had done better those kinds of things and what the mindfulness does is just helps me stay in the present because I always tell people often Mm. what messes up people with anxiety is thinking too far in the past and thinking too far in the future so I try to right stay present and I also try to manage my triggers using my exercise so like today Mm. um one of the a great purchase I made during the pandemic was a um, Peloton bike. Right. And so, oh, really, right. Mm. I just, I don't like, I just saved up my little coins and I said, I ain't putting this <laughs> on no payment plan. We just going to buy this thing out. Right. And I did it. And what it has given me the opportunity to do is, you know, Ayanna, I can feel anxiety in my body. And when I feel it, yes. I'm like get on the bike, 30 minutes on the bike, 20 minutes on the bike, sometimes 10 or I'll do sit-ups or I'll lift weights. All that stuff is in my house so I can get that stuff off of me. So those, mm. you know, so it's acknowledgement of what has been passed down to me. It's the gift that my family has given me, right, through my yeah. genes. It's anxiety and mindfulness and exercise help me manage it.
1: Yeah. I'm covered covering my face because I am so guilty. <laughs> anxiety is one of the things that I have to manage. and. Yeah. My therapist constantly has to remind me, "You don't have to solve it all right now. No, that no. is too big. Go smaller." No.
0: Yes. <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. You sure?
1: <laughs> yeah, girl. Look, I'm like you. I'm like, can we just be done with this, Lord Jesus? Yes. So, anytime I feel those things, like I have five, like a list of five small things that are tangible like, easy lift for me to be able to do to kind of, like, reset, ground myself and, like, get rid of, because I, I know I stuff it and I feel it and my ancestors
0: just yelling oh, at me girl. in the background. <laughs> Come on now, tell the truth. Yes. The truth. And does your do your ancestors yell at you in Spanish? I wonder. That's, you know, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> and,
1: yes, I get a combination. Mm-hmm. I... Mm-hmm. um. I, I, I feel, and this is also a gift that my family is giving me, I feel spirits and vibes and energy yes. in a yes. very different way. Yes. And so I feel presence. Uh, so yes. So I don't just hear my ancestors. Yes. I feel them. Yes. Uh, and they be, they be loud they'd Be like, <laughs> ah, I Spanish
0: and the English and the Spanglish, yes, ma'am. Yes, We're gonna give it yes. To you
1: culturally, right? You're gonna take this 1000%. Like, imagine, like, just Taino village, you know, yes. in DR and your African ancestors as well, yes. and like drums, Ooh. and like, girl, Ooh. what are you doing? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love that. I love yes.
1: it. Yes, yeah, it's it's. It's a gift, uh, but sometimes it can be a little bit of a heavy gift where I'm like, all right, now I need to set this aside.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that you acknowledge it though, because there's so many of us, I think, who have lost touch with that. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like you, like literally I can be in spaces like now even, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Y'all are with me. Like I can tell when they're pleased with me. I can tell when they're like, girl, you know, you need to sit down, have several seats. Not several. (laughs) Girl, like Tamar said, baby, you know, you need to have several seats. Don't do that.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's that's insane. Yeah, I don't I don't connect with folks often who like understand that aspect. I think that that contributes a lot to like what we carry and like how we feel it. Which comes into my next question, like what is the impact of suffering in silence or carrying all of this in silence on your mental and physical health? Because I know me, my my muscles like clench up and I feel it in certain spaces and I know that there's nothing wrong wrong with me. I'm holding my anxiety. I'm holding my trauma. I'm holding everything in. Like what is the impact truly? I feel like we allude to it, but we don't truly understand like big picture what that looks like.
0: Yeah so a couple of things one is it alters our DNA right and we pass that mm. altered DNA down through the generation so you talk about intergenerational trauma like at its core that literally is what intergenerational trauma is it it is altering the genes that you pass on to family members. And, you know, think about it. Think about how it shows up, particularly for our two communities, for the Latino Latine community, for the African-American, African African diaspora, all of us as people of the African diaspora, Mm -hmm. we are more likely to have these elevated rates of cardiovascular disease, right? Where Mm -hmm. we have different kinds of cancers that impact our communities. For me, all of that is directly tied to the systems that we function in. I'm gonna stick with the United States Um, that are often so racist and so sexist and so homophobic and transphobic and it's systemic. It's almost like you can't get away from it. Right. So there's, there's so many ways in which those things impact us and because they impact us and because we don't always have outlets. And then you also compound that with systemic issues in terms of uh, socioeconomic right Mm -hmm. issues. Um, It compounds it. And so these elevated rates of these physical health disparities issues, I think are in large part because we are subjected to so much more stress for so much more consistent periods of time. Right. And it's mm. generational. It's not like you're sort of in and out,
1: right. Yeah. It is
0: you and I having this conversation now is tied to, our own individual traumas, is tied to, you know, your com- your ancestral community, is tied to my ancestral community, is tied to the experience of people in the Dominican Republic, the experience of people brought to the shores of the United States, what we know is the United States, which is also tied to all of our ancestry on the continent, the Middle Passage. I just think about 75% of the ships that that stole Africans and brought them over to these, what we call air quotes America, right? Cause there's North America mm-hmm. and there's South America, right? It's not yeah. just the U S 75% of those ships went down and around the coast of Central and South America. Right. So that's mm-hmm. why people who look like us, people can't see us, but that's why people it's people who look like us and people way darker than us. Right. Who literally yeah. mirror and mimic African people, dark African people, because I think about that. If that's our ancestry, how could that not be translated in your dna and so for me that that relationship between mental and physical health is so key so i feel like it is a a a superior act of resistance every day mm. that i do what i'm supposed to do to take care of my mental health because our ancestors couldn't well, yeah i've heard charlemagne say i we are the first generation think about it in this day and age whatever generation you are if you're still here you had the opportunity to thrive where the people who came before you were literally just surviving. How could that not impact your DNA? How could that not impact your physical health? So for me, it's all of that. So my existence, you heard me say this when we worked with um, MTV together. Yeah, My presence is an act of resistance. My presence, I'm here. Y'all going to deal with me. That's an Mm -hmm. act of resistance.
1: Oh, I knew this conversation was gonna be great. But I didn't I did not realize I was gonna be like releasing all the heaviness that I've been holding on to because as I hear you speaking, like no wonder I'm a uh, fucking tired.
0: Yes. Like girl, listen literally
1: just showing up
0: Listen, is a resistance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Baby girl, seriously. Just af because you're showing up after taking care of those babies. After giving energy to your spouse, after, Mm -hmm. you know, helping to build a household and sustain a household, after being, you know, that first daughter, after being that sibling, right? I know you have a Mm -hmm. a brother, at least one. After all of that, right, after what you've, what we've experienced, what we experienced as young girls, you're still showing up, right? After carrying some of the stuff that, you know, our ancestors have shared with us for, for better or for worse. Yeah. We still here, right? Mm-hmm. You're bringing all that with you. So for me, the meditation and the mindfulness, like you said, the light, it helps me take some of that and just put it down for a minute, right? Yeah. Some of that I put down forever when I recognize it and I know I need to put it down. But some stuff I put it down. Okay. And then I pick it back up. You're like a backpack. And yeah. I put it back down and then I pick it back up until I learn there's certain things. Girl, I ain't got to carry that. I ain't carrying that. Mm-hmm. Y'all can have that.
1: Yeah, my therapist had to remind me that all the time. She's like, "You don't gotta carry that. That's not the curse that you breaking today."
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: Yes. But, oh, yes. Your yes. Yes. She's she's a great one. I will never let her go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. But you know, I just I'm, I'm I'm hearing you say this, and like you and I understand this, and can validate and say, yes. "Hey, it's okay to let this go." Yes. I think one of the things that really rubs me the wrong way is when other people don't understand it in the spaces that I show up and I gotta constantly say this is what I'm carrying when I come into this room right like me being able to show up and give you this is gonna have to be enough today yes right and, yes. and usually, especially for black women, it's yes. perceived as, oh, she's being lazy or she don't want to do this or she don't want to show up or she's getting attitude or dah, dah, dah. name, fill in the blank stereotype. Right. right? right. I just, I think, I think I, what I'm trying to say is for anyone who's listening, like, just let it go. Amen. The way that they react or their expectations of you is not something you need to carry. Amen. We're already carrying enough. Amen. I think I'm saying it for myself, too, because like I said, I literally talked about this in therapy today. I'm like, yes. I don't need to carry what the generations mm-hmm. prior to me Mm-mm. were carrying it or not, at least
0: not all of it.
1: Mm-mm. Today, a day when I'm going to carry. Yeah. yeah. I don't think
0: they want us to. I, I feel like they want us to be liberated. But, but you were saying. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just saying, like, you know, today the, the, the curses or the things that I'm trying to break is me healing. Amen. Me a emotionally intelligent mother Amen. and being able to walk my child through those feelings like that. Those are the things mm-hmm. that I'm carrying today. Everything else going to have to wait till tomorrow or next week, Amen. but we're not going to do all the day in in one day. You know, Amen. and I think that that's a misconception in our community is like, if we're on this journey, we got to do it all and we got to figure it out and we got all the check boxes checked, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. That is Mm-mm. so much. That is so heavy.
0: It is. We don't and need I to want- do that. I want my wish for you, me, and all the sisters out there and femmes out there of color who are carrying this stuff. My wish for us, this is my constant wish, is that we show up in spaces and we free ourselves enough. It's a journey where we feel no compulsion to explain ourselves to anybody. I'm coming. And what you just said, Ayana, I'm coming. This is what Mm -hmm. you get in a day, period. I don't owe you no explanation. I don't feel no kind of way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what I'm carrying with me is my feeling of I made a choice to show up like X and Mm -hmm. X is all you finna get. I don't care how you interpret it. Right. I don't care what you do with it. Like this is me. This this is all you getting today. And it's like, it's not even a thought because for me, that's true liberation. And I think that there are Mm -hmm. people of certain gender and certain racial ethnic groups on this planet Where that is their lived experience. What you get from me is all you getting and no one reads into it. And have the privilege to do so without consequence. That part. Mm -hmm. What I want for us is for us to to take that privilege for ourselves. This is all you finna get. Period. That's it. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Yes.
1: Oh, my goodness. I needed to hear that today. So I hope whoever's listening is taking that <laughs> as well and just release it because I feel better already. Amen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yes. Uh, so you mentioned a little bit about the Acoma Project and yes. the organization that you founded. And one of your key phrases and key things that you will always remind Us when you're mentoring us, but everyone who you speak to is love, light, and science. Can you
0: tell us what that means? Absolutely. So, um, probably going back, did I come up with that? Maybe 2015, 2016 when I was deciding to leave academia. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think through, I, I, I'm really big on, and this is before it was popular. So my 18 year old says it now. So I, now I know it's like in the general lingo, but I'm really yeah. big on manifestation, <laughs> you know, as part of meditation on intention yeah. setting, on providing a roadmap for where you want to go and like having a visual of your destination. So I'm really big into, and I'm going to put it in the universe because they need to sponsor me, mantra bands. I love mantra bands. I love them, love them. (laughs) I've got on six of them right now. And um, one of the the sayings in that is dream biggest, not dream bigger, but dream the biggest Mm. dream you can dream and then keep dreaming bigger than that. And so my thing is annually, yes, annually to sit down and like write out the vision. And so I was talking about it with my daughter today and I was just saying, babe, you got to have a vision for your life. My mom used to say that to me when she was alive. She's like, baby, you got to have a vision. My grandma used to say it to you. You got to have a vision for your life. And mm. one of my visions was if I could impart some wisdom, share some wisdom, let me say that with someone that's meaningful to me, what would I want to share? And I used to mm. like, it sort of came to me. My thing is I wish you lots of love, lots of light. And I'm hoping that it's always informed by good culturally relevant science because As a black woman in psychiatric academic medicine, I always felt isolated in the sense that no one cared about, or not enough people cared about, understanding the needs of people of color. So I said, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm going to be the scientist that makes y'all understand. that there are some unique needs that we as people of color have, and you're going going to deal with this. And so part of why I had to leave academia is because there were too few people who wanted to hear it, right? And so I said, okay, okay, all right, so how am I going to do this? So if I'm always leading with love and light, I feel like that invites people to come into the conversation around science and, and around the conversation around how can we make this science culturally relevant so yeah. everybody can see themselves within this conversation. Because in academia, I think we try extra hard and overtime, we be doing the most to make stuff seem esoteric, <laughs> like nobody should understand it except for us. And I feel like, no, science is the for the betterment of all of us. And so I want some science that resonates with me. And how do Mm -hmm. I invite people into the science that I'm going to create? Okay. I'm going to make it welcoming. How do I make it welcoming? I'm going to tell you, I love you. I'm going to tell you, I want to shine a light on things that are important to you. And then I have your attention and then you will come over here with me and we can join together and we can like build this beautifully culturally relevant science together so love light science for me is an invitation it is going back to how we started our conversation and it is saying to people there is room for you whoever Mm -hmm. you are if you're afro latina if you're pakistani lesbian if you're native american two-spirit person if you're muslim like whoever you are there is space for you in this conversation in my case around mental health. And so this love and this light will allow you to come benefit and engage with and even produce this culturally relevant science. So that's what it means for me. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, that answers one of my questions in the background. Like, I still have this guarded response or this tension around specific people of certain backgrounds who come to a conversation and don't do it with great intentions you know yes. what i mean where it's performative yes. but you're not yes. really into getting down and yes. doing what we need to do to fix this right yes yes and you know i think like you said the love and light and science is it makes that invitation yes just sweet enough to say hey we need to all be at this table yes we may have some hard truths but we're gonna, yes. we're gonna do it with some love and light right and some yes. empathy and open it up That to me, it makes it so much easier because I tell you what, there's some people out there who like, they just wanted to be checking the boxes and said, no, but we talked about this. We celebrated you in this month. What
0: do you mean? Listen (laughs) to me. Listen, the number of times I heard, I can't like, it just used to be triggering for me, but now it's just an acknowledgement. The number of times I heard people say, well, we already figured out adolescent depression. I'm like, hold up. Have you had a conversation about how Repeated exposure to racism, repeated exposure to homophobia, repeated exposure to sexism. Have you had conversations about how that impacts a young person's development, which then impacts depression, anxiety, exposure to trauma? If you ain't had that conversation, actually, no, you don't know how to treat depression. What you know how to treat depression in is one tiny segment of one tiny population that is not even representative of the global majority. So, no, I beg to differ. You do not know how to treat. Right. So I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. And that brings me to my next point. Like a lot of the stuff that we deal with, especially in our communities, is systemic. There's so many layers. Right. And we've you know, everything compounds, but a lot of it is systemic. So how do you help? Mentor African American or Black youth, or that next youth, yeah. uh, BIPOC youth, right? Because that's who, yeah. who you cater to. How yeah. do you help them navigate those challenges with our identities, systemic structures that weren't built for us, right? Yes, and still take care of their mental health. Like how? Yes. How do you even begin to have that
0: conversation? I yeah. always start with "I see you." Stop. <laughs> oh my gosh, I felt that so deep. <laughs> I see you because mm. we know what it feels like to not be seen.
1: Yes. Who understands
0: that better than people of color? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Who understands that better than us? And yeah. how often do we go through life and people just look right past us like we're not even there, Ayana. Like we yes. like don't exist. You're not listening to me. You're not trying to see me. You're not trying to hear me say, think about all the decades where black women were saying things like, you know, we have a harder time in childbirth. We're like, no, no, no. Are you sure? It's not just because you're all poor. And are you sure? Right. It's all, it's everything, but uh-huh. what we are saying. And then yeah. somebody typically not us decides I'm going to do a study. And then it's a national crisis. Well, we've been saying it for decades.
1: Right. So it's, that's how I start
0: with young people. You need to hear me say, I see you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start. I, you know, because, you know, clearly I'm a black woman. If anybody sees my picture, you know, I'm a dark skinned black woman. There's no question. I'm a black woman. Yeah. People don't have to be black to understand and resonate with the concept of being seen. Any of us who are of color, know what it's like to feel invisible. Know what Mm. it's like to be made to feel invisible. That's where the term marginalized come from. And that's why I like it because it's not a choice. It's what people do to us, right? So they marginalize us. And so when I'm mentoring young people, I'm always saying, look, whatever your culture is, whatever those beautiful things about your culture are, I want you to tap into that. Don't let these people tell you that who you are and where you come from, that there's something wrong with it because there's something beautiful in there. I just need you to go dig for it, pull it up, recognize the uniqueness of it and use mm-hmm. that to guide you, to push you forward because your ancestors, yes. that's what they used to push them forward. And when people were in chains in slavery, they had to hold on to something. Right. And what yes. I, I say to myself and my kids, all the time, I'm like, look, We are a unique creation in the history of the universe. African-Americans, I'm saying specifically, but each group has that uniqueness about them. Why would we not celebrate that? Why would I not say to you, you know, the way your hair defies gravity, the way your hair has all these different ways it can shift and Change And if you put water in it, it looks one way. If you put gel in it, it looks another way. If you blow dry it, it looks another You know what I'm saying? You get that Dominican blowout, it looks another way. Like, <laughs> why would we not celebrate those aspects of who we are? And so I always try to encourage young people and not so young people. If you can find those one or two things about who you are as a cultural being and ground yourself in that, what do you appreciate about where you come from and what you've overcome just how you show up in the world or how your hair grows out of your head or what your skin looks like or what your body type is, if you can find that one thing or maybe those two things about you, those can be the things that can ground you and move you forward. And if you can find that and not allow other people to tell you who you are, where you come from, what it is about your culture, don't let people define that for you. You figure it out and define it for yourself If you can start there, I don't know that there are too many things that you can't do. Because think about it. Sometimes what holds us back is not what we think about ourselves. It's what we take in from what other people say about us. Well, you know, you can't do that because nobody from our group done such and such and so and so. Right. Like the stuff that I heard. Well, you can't do research unless you're in an academic institution. You know, like Tamar said, you a lie. We just put that report out in the spring and I no, 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 I don't accept that because yes. I know some of the not everything, but I know some of the things that my community needs. I know some of the things that young people of color want to see because they've told me and I've taken the time to listen. So mm. we're gonna that's what I'm gonna put out there. So you know, as you find the things that you layer on top of being grounded in who you are, you give yourself the confidence. And you give yourself the ammunition to look behind you and say, here's the stuff I accomplished. What else can I do? Yes. So That's like real general. But that's how I try to approach. Think about all the work we did together with Hidden Healers. It was all mm-hmm. about, look, trust yourself. Y'all got the, look, don't let these people tell you what, what's a good idea and what's not. You got this. And look what y'all did with it. Yes, yes.
1: And literally, I like everybody got to know, like literally everything Dr. Alfie just said is what she told us when we went into <laughs> figuring out what Hidden Healers was. Because we were still, I think we were so afraid of what yeah. we were going to put out into the world and how yeah. much of ourselves we were going to give into it. Dr. Alfie said, forget that. What do you want? Yes. What do you see? Yes. We were all like, ugh vision board <laughs> we need a vision board um and now and now look at where we're at with hidden Woo! healers shout out to the hidden healers team and the entire mtv team um, yes super grateful but yes 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 like girl Ooh, i need yes. everybody listening to yes. just like to know that you are wonderful the way that Amen. you are the Amen. way that your hair grows, the way that Amen. your features look, Amen. the way that you move to music, how you Amen. practice your your beliefs—like you are wonderful. Don't let them use that as ammunition to take Amen. you
0: down. Amen.
1: Because once you take it from them, what they got, Blanks. nothing. That part, that's it
0: that part. Girl, go ahead. Go ahead yeah. on.
1: <laughs> I just learned this. I'm still on this journey, but I am trying to own it and really and really stay firm in it and it has made such a huge difference in the way that I show up. So I just need I, I need it. people to hear that. Yes. I love it. Um speaking of telling the people what they need to hear, Dr. Alfie, what would you tell everyone listening who has felt the weight of the world on their shoulders yes. because of the complex collective trauma that we've experienced? Not not just here recently, but in the last couple of years, because yes. it is years at this point. Well, what yes. would you tell everybody feeling that weight?
0: I'm going to quote, kind of, I'm not going to get it exactly right. but <laughs> something I heard uh, my a sister say yesterday I was working with. Um, she was helping me do something really important. And one of the things she said is, your life should be about ease. Your life should not mm. be about struggle. And... Then, I'm not saying that it's always going to be perfect. I'm not saying that we don't have real systemic, as you said, Ayana, challenges that we as people of color and, and everybody that we are all dealing with. I will say that I believe deeply that there is space in our lives for us to continually work toward living from that place of ease. Maybe not in mm-hmm. every single solitary moment, but that I feel like is one of my goals How can I move forward with ease? Even when there are challenging situations, where can I find the ease in this situation to guide me to the next thing? And I would just say, because it just came to me, sometimes what gets in the way of our ease is us fighting what's right in front of us. Resisting, right? Resisting was mm-hmm. right in front of it If it's time for a relationship, whatever I'm not talking about just a romantic relationship, but if it's time for a relationship to end, give yourself the space to say, what ease will I feel, feel when I allow this to end? And just like allow yourself to sit in that for just a moment, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a job, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. Because when we resist. I feel like we, and I'm guilty of it. So I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> I feel like we create friction that doesn't necessarily need to be there. The universe is telling us,
1: you mm-hmm. don't
0: have to be in this difficult space for some things, other stuff. Come on, yes. I'm, I'm not silly. Like I know that there are big issues that we're dealing with, but there's some things in our lives always move towards what is going to give me ease. Maybe it's going to be a little uncomfortable on the front end, but on the mm-hmm. back end, breathe this real big sigh of relief so that's what I would say yes thank you Mm. I am guilty (laughs)
1: like resistance resistance is my jam I'm a (laughs) business (laughs) (laughs) owner until I until something breaks and I'm like okay this is not working this is not sustainable (laughs) yes Oh, I need that on a sticky note of poster somewhere. I'm going to need to just <laughs> remind myself of that one. Oh, yes. goodness. All right. As we close up here, one of my most favorite, favorite things that you do is leading a affirmation exercise yes. and just yes. centering us. Would you mind closing us out with a little affirmation?
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to use my favorite. That is not okay. mine that I created. It is mine that I learned from the secret. and it, always grounds me. It's a series of affirmations. I'm sure we did this when we were together uh, working on hidden healers. And so what I ask people to do, I just invite you as you're listening to the sound of my voice to cast your gaze down or close your eyes. If it helps to put your hand over your heart, do that. If it helps to hold your hands in a a mudra, yoga mudra, do that. Find a place to give yourself a a little bit of space of ease just for a moment as we've been talking about. And then I will ask you to take a deep breath in, blow it out, take one more, blow it out. And then as I speak, I'll take a beat and give you an opportunity to, in your own space, repeat after me. I am whole. I am perfect. I am strong, I am powerful, I am loving, I am harmonious, I am happy. Take another deep breath in, blow it out, and open your eyes. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you,
1: (laughs) Dr. Alfie.
0: Thank you, sweetheart.
1: I so, so, so appreciate you and always being willing to support and coming on the podcast and just shedding us so much wisdom today. I just, I'm so grateful for you. And I know that you're super busy and we don't talk every day, but just know that I am cheering you on and I am your number one fan and really appreciate you adopting me. So thank you for coming on and talking to the people and sharing your time today.
0: Of course, my beloved niece, it is my pleasure.
1: Thank you. Well, everybody, that's been another episode of Sesong y Corazón. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on the next one.